You want to hear something dumb? I do. Okay. So you said something recently, and I, I wrote this down, so I'm actually reading it so I make sure that I don't miss anything. Um, but you said something recently, and it's been living in my head rent-free. And uh, I've been thinking about this because we've been doing interviews lately, and I realized that I shouldn't even mention that because every time we kind of talk about it, the timing's never right between when we publish and when we're actually in the the place of hiring. So the only thing we can say is if anybody does feel we, we've talked about it before of how look there might not be the best correlation between the people listening to this and the people who should actually work for us but if if you are that kind of person um you shouldn't even pay attention to when the jobs are posted just give us your stuff and we'll review it and we'll reach out timing with jobs is always weird and hard but sorry that's an offshoot okay i'm gonna keep going um generally speaking more than half of the job applicants that we've received are from women, right? Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've said before that uh, the bros and ever bros was facetious. Like it was meant to be a joke because we're not bro -y. Like we're really not. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's like a, we're fake bros. That was the point. That was the point of the joke. Um, but you said, because other people have said that, it's not very welcoming to women to be called ever bros and the podcast. Yeah. 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 And I should have known that, but I genuinely honest to God did not think about that part of it at the time. And then it made me realize like, wait, am I actually a bro then? Like did the joke stop at some point of being fake bros? And then I just internalized the brodom. And now I, I'm just actually not facetiously, not a joke, a bro, and I'm disassociated and not paying enough attention and having enough self-awareness to be like, oh, that wasn't great. That, that Yeah, that's <laughs> only that's only if like you consider like like every bro is like, it's just a joke, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what does bro mean, right? I mean, that's that's part of it. I don't know what I'm actually trying to say with that. But what I do mean is one, I should have thought of that. I should have noticed that, that, hey, calling ourselves the bros is not going to be the most welcoming thing for women who want to listen. And it's a significant number of, of listeners who are women and just in this industry in general. Um, and that's what I the reason why I started thinking, because you said it and then I was going through all the applicants and stuff where we had more than half of them um, being women and just thinking, oh, man. Maybe I've become too bro. Maybe it's not a joke anymore. And uh, well, yeah. I, I don't, I don't mind the, I didn't mind the ever bros for. I never liked the ever bros. Like that was your thing, and I was like, whatever, you can have your thing. But <laughs> I, well, it worked. Hold on, it, yeah, let, it did. Let's, let's, let's call it out. It wasn't an awful idea, at least. To no, start. it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I just don't like it. And like, I Purple. don't like good things all the time. I don't like the Beatles. And like, it's just, I don't like the Beatles. Yeah, but like I know I have enough self awareness to know they're good. But I I like the Ever Bros because it's, it's something that you can uh, easily rank for because no one else is calling themselves that. Yeah, but then I wanted to add Agency Growth Podcast after that because that's what this is. And um, we started we've started ranking for if you type an Agency Growth Podcast by itself, we're like number two or number three or or something like that. And so we've started to rank just off of that, which means like we're getting to a point where we can just drop the ever bros 
and and not, and kind of remove that um, gender specific connotation with it. Yeah, we've actually we could, done some uh, research, you could say, with domains, and I don't want to I don't want to tell people I don't want to get them excited. I think it's better to tell people when the things happen, not to tell them what's coming up. Um, but we we did look at one domain that we inquired about, and they said they were already in, neg- in negotiations with somebody to buy it for. Uh, it was over 10k, so uh, that was a bit a bit steep for where we're at at the moment because we only just recently started making some money from this, right? Yes, yes, through our sponsor Aura. If you want to protect your online security, have a password manager, a VPN, and just monitor all of your personal information, and you just want a free trial to to run a scan on your emails and your personal information, sign up at aura.com forward slash everbros and support the podcast that was great they didn't even know that they were going to get hit with that they, they, i didn't even know i was going to hit him with that i didn't none of nobody first, knew for seven minutes yeah um but seriously uh we partnered with aura because my facebook account got hacked a while back and uh if i would have known that my usernames and passwords were uh were out there I, I would have had enough foresight to actually change that and and not have to deal with thirty thousand dollars being stolen so um, I wanted to partner with them. Uh, it's it's good just to sign up for the free trial and then just run a scan and then see if Aura finds anything. And if they do, then change, you know, uh, go to go to that uh, app or whatever that you have logged the credentials for and change your information. So mm-hmm. um, I was just talking to Cody before this earlier today, and I was like, I don't know how we're gonna plug Aura because I we don't do the sponsor thing. Uh, yeah, but here we are learning. We did it. <coughs> Speaking of uh, learning and questions, wait, did you have another cold open? That was it. It okay, was just me, you had me having a slightly existential crisis where I stare off into the distance and wonder, is this not a joke anymore? Am I am I internalizing broness? And I actually <laughs> am some sort of bro now. Yeah, we'll still be the ever bros. I just don't think that's. I don't think the podcast needs to be called that anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, I don't want to be exclusive, right? I don't. I never. That's not fun. Like not allowing people in, just not that. That's uh, what we were doing, but no, that's I, that's what I mean. That was the point. I didn't know. I didn't know that it could be perceived that way. Yeah. Well, fifteen. I think fifteen percent of our listeners are uh, are women. So I would like that to be at least twenty percent. So I, I do know just demographically there are more male agency or, or people in the you know the agency space as owners. So. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Uh, Well, speaking of uh, women in the agency space, we're actually continuing from our last episode into a part two because a potential or future female agency owner uh, reached out to me directly uh, with 10 really, really good questions. And we were only able to get through, I think, five of them or six of them. Um, I think it was five of them in like an hour so we broke it up into two parts so this is continuing off of uh teresa's questions that she asked us that i Um, haven't heard either or looked at so it's right you have happening in real time you've not seen these um i can't remember if we ended off at uh question number six or i'm still coughing and it's gonna be some editing or if we 
stop deck, we answered question five and we uh, got off. Well, it looks like we answered six of them. So I was saying, I thought you said we had four left and that they yeah, were all yeah, heavy. Yeah. So we had to give more time to it. We do. Okay. So we're going to continue on number seven. Okay. Question well, number, it's number seven. one this time. It feels weird well, yeah. to tell them number seven. Well, I'm going to say number seven. And if they haven't listened to episode 74, then they're going to have to go back and yeah. hear the first six. My opinion, I'm not looking. You're the one looking at the, you've got the whole plan. Yeah. Okay. So this is a two-parter. That feels uh, like a seven. I feel okay. All right. Like seven when and were, a half. When you were my age, in your early 20s, deciding on career choices, why did you decide digital marketing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Teresa, you let's don't... answer that one first. What? What? Cody, why? Let's answer that one first. Why did you decide on digital marketing in your early twenties? Nobody picks digital marketing. We don't pick this. <laughs> we do this because we decided to try harder later in life. I've said that before. Uh, no, I, I mean some people do pick this. I don't know why. And I tell them that because I, when I talk to college kids now and they say, oh, I'm studying marketing and I want to go into marketing and I want to, you know, I guess it's different. If, if you want to go into like big branding marketing for like sports teams and that sort of thing, that's a little different. Um, but when people tell me I want to go into marketing, I just say, why? Why do you want to do that? Of all the things that you can do, you're, you're consciously choosing to do this. And they think it's uh, good for the money. And it's not compared to the things that you can do at the time when you're young and you choose those sorts of things. Um, so why did, why did I choose it? I didn't, I didn't choose it. I don't know if I've given this, the story, but, uh, I can tell it again quickly. If, if I haven't, I, it was, I was senior year of college. I was working at K jewelers. I was hating my life. Uh, I think I was there for like three months. And when I say hating my life, it, it was entirely me. Um, the people there were great. I had a great boss, great, great coworkers, all that sort of thing. Just I'm not meant to be there. Um, and so I took a, a short gap and I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, Jenny, her sister's uh, boyfriend, got a job at a startup. And he was smart. So I just uh, asked if I could talk to him and I learned more about what he was doing. I knew that he worked remotely. He could work at home sometimes. Uh, he he got to do the cool life thing where, uh, you, you know, you had the laptop and sometimes you put your feet up and it was all very cool looking. And I thought, yeah, I want that lifestyle. I want to be able to work from anywhere. I want to do the laptop thing. I want the the online anywhere from the from anywhere in the world that that sort of life. Um, and interviewed there didn't go well not at all uh, i was i interviewed for the ppc team didn't do that that didn't work but they accepted me on seo i later switched but only after learning seo and oh, so uh, you got a job at your sister's boyfriend's same oh, you guys work together uh girlfriend's girlfriend's, yeah, girlfriend's sister's boyfriend yeah right yeah we worked okay, at okay. the same spot though cool for sure while. But yeah, no, so it wasn't, this wasn't a conscious choice. And then it was just, I think when you graduate uh, or when you're young, you just take the opportunities you're given and then you max them out. So this was my chance and I went as hard as I could and it, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was just what ended up working and it was in the lifestyle path that I wanted and I tried to make the most of it. Yeah, I, th I think um, a lot of people know my 
my story. Well, I covered it in a, I talked about a little bit about it in a couple episodes, uh, like episode 65 when I talk about from broke to 200 K. Um, but before that, like actually getting into marketing, it was like a similar story. I was, uh, in college, but not really knowing what I wanted to do. I think I was in logistics for like business administration and I got fired from a printing, uh, printing company as a shipping manager um, for a really weird reason. Uh, quote, my heart wasn't in it. And uh, they let me go. So that was weird. That um, sounds like the thing you say when that's not the reason and there's a different reason, but it's a at-will state, so they don't want to. <laughs> so I, I got approval in um, June to or july of that year to go to ireland and work with guinness and get my green belt in six sigma engineering and for, through the college and because this is logistics that that's what i'm going to school for um and i got approval from the ceo the ceo approved it and everything this is like in february and then like a week later i called to my boss's office and was like we just don't think your heart's in it and i was like oh okay so let me get approval to like to go further my education and my career. But then they're like, no, 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 we want you to make 16 bucks an hour as a shipping manager for the next, you know, 30 years. That's how I took it. Um, anyways, I was on an unemployment for like a week until I got a job by applying to the advertising agency across the street, which was mud advertising, which is ultimately where Cody and I met, got a job as an entry level client service uh, manager, just kind of worked myself up, eventually became an account executive at, in the agriculture division. All of this is within less than two years. Um, churn and turnover was super high at this agency. So opportunity was also really high um, if you stuck around long enough. So uh, that's kind of where I got my feet wet in digital marketing. I mean, they did everything. They did uh, everything from traditional print and radio to TV ads to actual digital uh, but the the big money was in digital in terms of being an account executive because one it was reoccurring where like a TV spot was like a one time production and then like they just aired it. Um, on top of that, the margins on media buying for like actual radio placements weren't like super great. So um, digital was like high margin uh, re- reoccurring revenue. Um, so uh, I, and it was relatively easy, right? You could learn all all digital by yourself. So that's where I learned everything, including like learning WordPress. Shout out uh, Andrew Vick um, for Vick, yeah, my guy. Uh, like for for it was so funny because he would like when we built a a, a website for a, a, an agriculture client, he'd walk them through the WordPress website, and then I was learning it as well. So I would sit next to them while like next to him while he did that, and because it was like a a, a video call or with no video, I would just like get on my phone because i have adhd so like i just like like scrolling through my phone i remember one time he like didn't even look at me he was just like walking through the whole website and like on speakerphone with the client and he just reached over and he just grabbed my phone out of my hand <laughs> and I, <was> like, <laughs> I, I felt so stupid i was like oh god millennials i know yeah, and that's how I got into digital marketing. So when Cody says like people don't like choose this, very little people will go, I want to do digital marketing. So Teresa, I think you're the minority here uh, of wanting to actually do that and going to school for it, which I think is cool. And it can be very fruitful if you like if you're really going to go into the agency space and start your own agency. Otherwise, uh, I would maybe encourage you to listen to episode 62 with Alec, where he does PPC and makes pretty good money working for a a small company that has big clients. For sure. The second part to that question is, 
What did you wish you could have done sooner in your education or work history to make you more successful today? This could be different resources you wished you had sooner, education, people you talked to it for advice, etc. Well, okay, you want to go first? You want me to go first? But do you do you have what you want to say? I did until you said that, and then I instantly forgot it because the the pressure made me forget it. Gotcha. All right. You say um, say wait. No, I got it. Just say it again, and then it'll magically come back. I'm confident. All right. Uh, what did you wish you could have done sooner in your education or work history to make you more successful today? I wish I would have majored in STEM, something in STEM. I mean, the reality is that you don't need a degree in marketing to work in marketing. Uh, and in fact, the most interesting and talented people that I know did not study marketing to work in marketing. They were, Dave was a music composition major, uh, Aaron. If you remember him, he was history, right? I mean, the all those things are cool. I mean, but as far as earning potential goes, STEM, I wish I would have done something further in that. Um, I don't know what, probably something deeper in computer science. Um, so I could actually do programming of some sort. Um, but uh, as far as accelerating learning, nothing. Uh, based on the cards I was dealt, I'm happy with the path that I chose. I think, um, you know, I, I did a few smart things early on. I switched teams after a year because my learning acquisition was just slowing down. You learn a lot of things quickly early on. And then when there's less to learn, you learn things like fewer things over time unless you jolt yourself. So I switched teams and then I forced myself to do that. And then after the second year, I went to a new company entirely, um, which again, uh, did a few things, um, income, big raise, but also I, I got to learn a new way of doing everything um, business-wise, not necessarily the the skills themselves. So, I mean, all of that, um, I guess I, I could have started things even sooner. Uh, I just didn't have the confidence to do it. Um, the, the business acumen, it wasn't a lack of skill that I was okay, but the confidence to handle the business portion of things. Um but I, I think that some people want to go from, you know, nothing and then within a year have their own successful business where they had no skills prior. It's not going to happen. Right. I mean, if it does, congrats. Good job. Um, happy for you. I think it's a pretty precarious position to be in and that you've probably gotten lucky in a certain amount. Um, and everybody does to some extent. But uh, I think uh, putting in the time and spending it, spending the years getting good. And then once you're good going and figuring out the rest, uh, as far as the, like building the business goes, but first you got to have skills. And, um, I think I, I worked that as optimally as I could time-wise. Uh, yeah. So I, I also want to preface this cause I don't think you know this, uh, Teresa is in school for marketing right now. Uh, so I, I'll keep killing her hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what we don't want you to do is to, is to switch your major or drop your major or anything like that, because marketing is still a very good skill to learn, uh, especially in school. I learned a lot about marketing in school. Um, what I would suggest maybe, uh, or what I would have wish I would have done, especially being a business owner. I think that's the key here because there are different skills you can learn when starting a business in marketing. Um, one is marketing and two is business stuff. 
And they're two very different things. I would get into details, but I don't want to call anybody out. Um, there are a lot of marketers in this industry who have very successful businesses who don't know a damn thing about business. And and the inverse. There's a lot of extremely talented marketers who just can't run a business. Right. Um, well, that is what I was saying. The inverse would be a lot of, a lot of good business owners who can't do any kind of marketing. Well, yeah, I thought you said their way around. Nope. What? Well, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't have a rewind button in my brain, so... Uh, this might be, a, might be a cut <laughs> or they're going to listen and, and be like well I do have a rewind button so I can yeah. see how this actually played out like one of you is stupid <laughs> um, so I think what I would have done is go to school for accounting as a, as a business owner if I knew I was going to go into school for marketing or I mean sorry go into uh the marketing agency space. I, I really want to know accounting because I want to know. Um, I'd want to know my numbers better and P and Ls and things like that. Um, I'd also want to know like like logistics, like logistics. I, if I would have finished that, that would have been really good to know. Just general business savviness. <clears throat> Dude, this cough is getting to me. But I there was a um, there there were a couple salons in Kansas City. And Lauren went to one of them, and I can't remember what they're what they're called, but. Uh, one of them she went to quite a bit and it was a very successful salon. And part of the reason is because the owner not only like, like did the work and learn the salon industry and just kind of uh, cosmetology and uh, you know, the other hair stuff, I guess, but also went to school for business. And if you're going to own a salon, I think going to school for business is a very important thing to do. There's another salon who had people there who, kind of talk shit on them because they went to business school and not hair school and saying that, you know, they were very business focused and that's a dumb thing to do. And really, I think that they could take a lesson from someone who knows about business in that kind of space. So um, if you plan on starting your own business, I, learning the things about business is probably the most important thing to do because one of the most important jobs of a business owner is hiring and, and getting the right team in place to do the things that the business owner can't do. And, you know, the more you grow, it's going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to do anything in the business. You're going to do everything on the business. Well, yeah, if you're doing it right. Yeah. So, all right. Number eight. Yep. It's a, it's kind of a long one. So it starts off with a little bit of a story and then it goes into the question. So, uh, with any company, the financial startup cost can sometimes be immense, but it's not just the money. It's the initial stress, anxiety, and time management. When starting anything new, I expect a learning curve and mistakes to ultimately work towards efficiency and mastery. Even as your business grows, I can only imagine what the effect of late hours and the hustle mindset can do to your overall happiness and productivity. What have you done to allow yourself mental breaks and enjoyment? Nothing. No enjoyment. We say this as Cody and I are like literally dying. Like this like life has been sucked out of us this week. Yeah, that's that. But that is the unspoken agreement that you are consciously, willingly sacrificing most likely years of your life uh, on a gamble that may or may not pay off. That in the future, you will have whatever it is that you wanted more of. And that's why you did the business in the first place. But you're paying for those costs up front so that you can have them later. 
And that's, you know, if you want to be an S tier employee or that sort of thing, you'll never deal with that because you'll just have it be a constant, uh, it might be hard, but it'll be comparatively balanced. Um, but to answer the question directly, what have you done? Uh, or what have I, I done? Um, uh, man, it's not, it's not the business itself. That's the hardest thing. It's the business and everything else. If it's just the business, everything is fine. It's the business and trying to have any other healthy life. Uh, and you just, uh, you do your best, right? And you know that sometimes you're, you're lifting some things up and taking other things and pulling them down temporarily. And you just do your best to do those things consciously and know that you're doing it and don't let them accidentally happen and, and slip, right? Because uh, that's, that's when you end up with the, the really big regrettable life mistakes i think yeah i i remember talking to my roommate about this because like he would want to go out and like you know go drinking across the street or something and we just had so it was, it was uh march of 2021 like you, you remember and i was like i, I can't um and i remember saying that you know sometimes it sucks because i feel like i'm throwing away in my 20s uh in order to like live uh really good 40s and you know, you only get that one like party stage of your life before like you can't like go out and party before it's weird. Like, <laughs> before. You, see, you see like 40 year olds at clubs and you're just like, what are you doing here? Mm. And uh, so I, I, it was like a risk. Like I don't, he was perfectly okay. And I've said this on the podcast before too. Like he was perfectly okay with just like clocking in, clocking out, coming home, playing video games in his entire twenties and just like, you know, hanging out with friends and then doing that until he's 65. And then, you know, retiring. And I, I'm not like, I want to be like late thirties and you know, I can choose not to work if I want to. I mean, I won't because I'll always work, but I want that freedom. And I kind of wish I did this with the other questions, but uh, I kind of want to just like read what I said because I basically said, I don't give myself breaks. Um, but it's not the break. It's not, it's not having breaks that tears at me. Um, so I I'll I'll try to read it in in a way that I'm just like talking on the podcast, but in, maybe it won't sound so scripted. But this is basically my response. I said I hate the quote hustle mindset, but I know what you mean. Uh, I do want to point out though that uh, there really isn't any financial startup to an agency. So just remember to check out episodes one forty one and fifty six. We we talk about how little it costs to start an agency in literally all of those. I go on to say that I I love video games like a lot, like a stupid amount. I spent a lot of time playing Gears of War, Halo, Destiny, and even RuneScape and Fortnite in uh, before the agency and even during the early agency days. Uh, but what I found was I actually enjoyed growing and working on the business more than doing the thing I did to relax, which was playing video games. It was really hard for me to play with the homies and not think to myself, quote, I could be writing a blog post right now or working on a website. There's always something to do to keep moving forward. It took me six months to get my first client. That client lasted two months. And then it took me another 10 months to get my second client when I partnered with Cody. In this 20-month period, uh, so basically when I started Evergrow, it, the, the brand in 2017 and when we actually partnered up in 2019... Um, I said I was working a lot on the Evergrow brand and engaging with the community. So the entire time, that's what I was doing. So the work was just like responding to forum posts and, you know, just 
posting dumb stuff on social that I thought would give me engagement. Cat means. I said, yeah, pretty much. Uh, with some kind of SEO twist on it. Uh, I said, this is especially harder to do when you're working at another job, which I was. Because your free time becomes your growth time. So then where is your free time? And then I said, I really don't know what my advice to you would be on this one. I sacrificed two hours of sleep so I could put two hours per week uh, night into the agency. That's 10 hours per week plus 10 hours on Saturday. So like I'd get up early, work 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday. So 20 hours a week on the agency per week while working somewhere else. That's 60 hours a week for all of you mathematicians out there um, on like actual just like work. I said this made it so I didn't sacrifice my normal time with friends and family. I stayed up later and I lost two more hours of sleep. Now that I'm with Lauren, we like to spend every chance together that we get. So we get to go to bed together, which means staying up and working late doesn't really work for me now. I also prefer to work out after work around 5 p.m. But that's right when she comes home. So if I decide to work out at 5 p.m., we lose one to one and a half hours of being together because of how I prioritize my day. So what I've done is instead of staying up later, like I used to work on the agency, I just wake up earlier. Now I wake up at 5 a.m., go to the gym, and then work until 9 a.m. on Evergrow. And then uh, and the podcast. So both of those. That gets me back home, showered, and ready for the day by 7 a.m. And I get my two hours of work. Now when Lauren comes home from work, everything I needed to take care of has been taken care of. And we can spend our normal time together. The key to not burning yourself out is making sure you change your schedule so other people don't have to. That way, you don't have to sacrifice hours away from people you care about that make your life a little better. That was sappy, and I need a shower. Nice. Yeah. So basically, I don't have that time to relax, but I realized that what makes my life better and the things that keep me from burning out are being around the people that I enjoy being around. And if you take away that time, then you will be burnt. You will get burned out. So um, adjust your schedule. This just worked for me too, but it can work for so it, it cannot work for somebody else. Adjust your schedule so you're working when people aren't available. The people that you care about aren't available. That way, you have that availability open. Thoughts? Yes. Thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, I there's no you can't give anybody a straight answer to how how to make it work right if that's what she wants to know one is don't i'm the most demotivational person when it comes to this because i can't tell you how many people told me right wow cody that's so cool you work all day and then you go home and then you work more and i'm just like you think i like this you think like of (laughs) all like i'm just so stoked to just live like this no it's not that's not what it is but the truth is that i actually do prefer it more than anything else and i think if you can do anything else then you should just go do it and accept that that's that's what you actually want but if it is what you actually want everybody ends up doing exactly what they want that's it's your life you make your own decisions um now whether or not your priorities line up with your actions that's a you problem and you have to figure that out and nobody else can tell you how to design your life in the way that that needs to be done because it's also situational, right? I don't, I don't know um, people with day jobs, right? Um, this is one where they say, you know, I just don't have that much time. Well, what, have you thought about taking a less demanding job for less pay, right? Maybe you have golden handcuffs at your job and you're making great money and you say you want to be an entrepreneur, but the fact is you don't actually want to do the hard work because part of that is, temporarily taking a pay cut 
for a very easy job while you have just enough to grow your business. Huge risk, right? Mm. And if you're not willing to do it, and that's just one example, it's fine if it's not for you, but you, you need to know yourself well enough to come up with those solutions yourself because nobody else can tell you. I think it, it gets especially trickier when you have kids too, because it's like, you can't, you can't like necessarily just wake up earlier or like, you know, go to bed later. It's like you now have to build your schedule around a, the a demanding demonic child. So, uh, I feel for, for people who have young children who are trying to get out on their own and do their own thing. Um, I think maybe that's where you take the less demanding job at the same time. Now you've got financial implications and, it just gets harder. It, there, I mean, people do it all the time. There's always a way. It just depends on like how I think how much you are willing to sacrifice or trade off. And for me, yeah. it was two hours of sleep and when I preferred to work out. Yeah. If you have kids, don't ask me. I can't tell you. I know. I know people who can. I can connect you with them. Uh, there's you know, when I was in Japan, I met this guy, Yuma. Dude's a freak. Total machine. I swear he sleeps like three hours a night. He's got kids. He crushes everything. Uh, amazing. I can't do that. Uh, you know, so I, I, you got to find the people who are closest to what you want to emulate and then ask them. Yeah. Yeah. Ready yeah. for number nine? Hit me. All right. I just like reading all of these because I like the little, the, the, the backstories to them. All right. Uh, I'm working to make money. That's the ultimate Great. goal. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to afford luxuries such as a nice house, nice car, spa days, affording time with my future kids and spouse and not worrying about the next paycheck. With that being said, building a company and increasing revenue takes time. How long into being a digital marketer should I realistically, realistically expect to be higher than the average salary in Minnesota, which is around $63,000? Uh, we'll leave it at that because there's a, there's a part two, but we'll leave it at that for now. Expect? I mean, I hate to mm -hmm. quote Gary Vee, but he said this, right? Um, some people... I think expect three years. Some people it's two years. Some people it's six. Some people it's more. You don't know. Uh, I think if that, again, if that's the limiting factor for you, if that's the determining factor, um, if I tell you that it's 10 years, then you decide, no, this isn't worth it for me. Then I don't think that you're really cut out for it in the first place. Right? You, you do it because you have no other choice. How you perceive yourself, that you feel obligated to do this because this is what you have to do. And those things, they may be, they might be what drive you, um, and you do need that. But whether or not you know the timeline is within what you want to achieve, it's just it's such a sliding scale. Um, but if you want the the simplest answer, um, three years give or take, depending on um, uh, variables that may or may not be within your control. Yeah, I got really granular. I gave her some very specific numbers um, that we made in the first three years. And um, I won't be as specific, but I'll give you kind of rounded numbers. I mean, Cody and I talked about this in uh, episode 34, I think, when we were in Columbia. And uh, but I basically said a thousand days. I mean, a thousand days is like what we've said before. The guys at Tropical MBA say that it takes roughly a thousand days to replace your day job income with whatever you're doing and that's like if you're doing the right things right and and what we don't know what the right things are until they're already done so it, i basically said this is that hey when we started working together uh in 2019 we were at zero dollars that's that's what it was so 
at the end of 2019, we cashed out at about $40,000 that we made together with Evergrow. That's about $20,000 each. 2022, we did a bit better. We ended up at around $60,000. This is all gross profit. So this is this is money technically in our pockets. Uh, so which means we each got $30,000. Okay, cool. We had basically $10,000 raise at the end of year two. At the end of 2021, this is our biggest, most explosive year. And we've been very candid about this year and how much it sucked. Um, we actually closed out at 140000 in gross profit. So each of us got $70,000, technically, in the eyes of the government. Don't worry. I'll get more specific. Uh, you look like you want to say something. Like, are you sure? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. But... but just let me let me let me continue. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I believe you. Like, okay. But I forget that how much we keep in the business, and that's yeah, yeah. Why. Okay, that's where that's where we're getting. Okay. So I, up. I I basically said at year three we were making higher than the Minnesota average salary. That's a thousand days, you know, roughly give or take a you know a few dozen days. So yeah, it takes a thousand days in the eyes of the government. But we also operate our business off of the profit first system. Which means, and we'll have a whole episode about this because I think this is a very important system for you to implement in your agency. But when you own a business, you don't get to just keep all that money. You have to allocate it towards certain things. You've got operating expenses. You've got marketing. We've got we have savings, which the government just sees as profit, but we keep it in the in the business. Uh, you've got payroll. You've got uh, you know employee bonuses if you have something for that. And so, just to put it in perspective, we put about twenty percent into payroll. 10% into operating expenses, 8% into savings, 1% into marketing, and about 9% into a profit account, which does go into our pocket every three months. And then we have our owner withdrawals, which are which is basically everything left over. So when you take those percentages out, our profit plus owner draws is actually about $84,000, not $140,000 which means Cody and I both take home at the end of 2021 at the end of the third year, $42,000. So Cody was giving me a weird look. He was like, are you <laughs> sure about that? That's because we actually only pocketed about 42000 of the $70,000 each that the government said that we made. So, <clears throat> um, and, I, and I go into the whole thing, like because we're an LLC, we're taxed on the entire $140,000, whereas if we were an S-Corp, we wouldn't be. Um, yeah, we haven't yet elected to ask. Right. Yeah. This is kind of where my advice of like learning accounting and learning some of this stuff, like an our economics or something like that, like really would be important if I took early on, because this is all stuff we had to learn while doing the business. Thank God we had a very helpful lawyer at the beginning and a very helpful accountant at the beginning, because I don't know if we would be where we are today if we didn't learn a lot of the stuff from them and who are willing to consult with us for basically free. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I said, you know, Hey, but remember though, I said, it, you know, it pretend like we had $5,000 left open left over in the operating expense account. So if we allocated, uh, $14,000 to operating expenses because I said that's 10% of 140000 And when we spent 9000 of that, there's $5,000 still in that account. And then we put uh, 8% into savings. So that's an additional uh, $11,000. That $42,000 or that $84,000 actually becomes about $100,000. 
So our taxable income each is about a hundred is about fifty thousand dollars, even though we only took home forty two thousand. So instead of taking like the standard like twenty one percent out of your paychecks, Cody and I, I think Cody, I think you put like fifty percent away or something like that every time we get paid out. I oh, yeah, right now I basically I changed. It used to be fifty percent. Um, it was just too much. It was excessive. <laughs> That's where Jeff came back and he's like, Hey dude, that's, you gotta, (laughs) that's not even smart at this point. So, um, right now I do 40%, um, just to be extra covered. So when I first started, I did 35% because what what we're accounting for is this extra $8,000 discrepancy where the money stays in the bank, but the IRS says, I don't care. I'm still going to tax you for the entire amount because you're an LLC. Um, but now I do 30% and I think overall, I'm actually taxed like 26% or something like that. But the, the the benefit of having like an accountant like this is because they can set it up. So, well, I'm sure you could do set it up yourself too. But we pay quarterly estimates. So we estimate how much we're going to make this year based on just projections. And then we pay. So like Cody and I have been paying our 2023 taxes since the start of the year. Where normally most people will pay it the next year in 2024 when they usually get like a tax refund. So like we pay it ahead of time and then whatever's money is left over by the time tax uh, tax season comes around, that's our quote unquote refund. It's just, we just put more money away than we needed to. So um, I at the end of all of this, I said, this is why most freelancers turned agency owners fail. They keep trying to be a marketer and not a business owner. And um, I said, Cody and I are in year five right now. And... Uh, projected to make well over two times that so probably three times that but it's still we put more money away like right now we're hiring multiple people oh the team has grown i mean yeah it's it's not a not even close to it we that that early step man there's like so much that i could go into here um but we we didn't do it like this when we first started like we we yeah, kind we of like to. Yeah, we paid our we paid our bills and then we took whatever was left. And then I was like, I want to do the profit first system. And then I remember you being like, just so you know, like we're gonna take home less then. And yeah. I was like, Yeah, yeah, but it's I think it's important for like the growth and stability of, of the agency in the long haul. Are you okay with this being a little longer one? Because I can go off slightly on this because I, I do think it's important because you were talking about the importance of having an education and knowing some of this stuff fundamentally. Yeah. So we only got okay. one more question after this. Okay. Yeah. Look, like Jake said, um, uh, a very fundamental thing that you should know is the difference between and not even structurally being. Well, I mean, that's good to know, too, structurally being an LLC or structurally being an S Corp. But as an LLC, you can elect. It's called being, you know, electing to S Corp. And that just means financially you're operating um under that perspective, even though you're legally still the LLC. Now, when you do that, it has different tax implications and it's something that we've put off and we've, we're getting very close to the point of potentially, um, quote, losing money because of, um, there's like a threshold where you'll pay less in taxes and you want to elect to S court because if you have too high of a salary, you're paying, uh, income taxes on it instead of corporate or sorry, what is it? Uh, capital gains, all of that you should research. <laughs> Those are things you should know. Those are important things to know. Um, as far as the the uh, breakdown, in the simplest ways, uh, 
I think about this is when I look at the profit that we have coming in, I know 25% of it is immediately gone for various places. And that does not include payroll. And I don't mean payroll for us. I mean, for our team. So um, you can't even begin to think of, especially once you start getting bigger. And in the beginning, like Jake was saying, um, 10% covered everything we needed. We didn't have much. It was just us. There was no team. There was no complications. So it was fine. But as you know, we had bigger dreams and goals and we had to start getting more legitimate and professional than what we actually take home that started to shrink. So you need to think that way and you need to be prepared for that. And th those moves will happen as you grow. The last thing I want to say, uh, and it's just because uh, there's nothing wrong with being motivated by uh, money and luxury. I, I think that's a good thing. I think greed is an issue potentially. Um, and, and when your success and your wealth comes at the expense of other people, that's a problem. But just that by itself, there's nothing wrong with it. When you operate a business though, and you want to grow a business and you're not just going to stay a freelancer or entrepreneur, you want a real legitimate operation where you employ people and you do, you know, you put on the big boy pants, you need to get to a mental place where you disassociate yourself with the money immediately coming in. Right. And this is one of the, the biggest um, issues I see, even with companies that are way bigger than Jake and I is you, you talk to the owners and they have no walls internally between where where you know, where their money is going they just see it's just just this huge horde and they're a dragon and they freely put it wherever they want to that's a recipe for disaster because you do not you are not mentally prepared to allocate things where they should be to put your business in a healthy place now what those amounts are what you want to spend on marketing what you want to do for savings uh, you know, what you want to do, what you want to target for payroll, that sort of thing. It's all dependent on the business. It's dependent on your goals. It's dependent on your definition of security and safety and balance. Um, you, you'll have to decide those things and you can do it with some guidance, but some of it is ultimately personal decision. More than anything, you need to get that mental disassociation there where you say, this is not my money yet. This is the business's money and I'm not emotionally attached to what is happening here with this sort of money. Because if you do that, you're, you're, you're in a slippery slope of being too afraid or not being willing to take the appropriate risks in the right areas of your business. Maybe a hot take. I don't know. I think I want to have an episode for SEO purposes on just like how much money do you make as a business as an agency owner? And like we just like rehash all this and add our additional thoughts to it because I also wanted to say like it's really hard to make that disassociation when you're a solo agency owner, but when when you came on board, it became a whole different thing. And I remember like Evergrow would pay for certain things, like it might pay for like a trip or a hotel or whatever, and um, like Lauren would be like, um, "Oh, like thanks, babe, but you didn't have to pay for this." I'm like, I didn't. Evergrow did <laughs> yeah. and like it became really easy with the partner to like disassociate the money um well it's a joke right when we go out to eat it's hilarious because we'll pay for the meal or for the whole team and then people will be like ah thanks you know and i will make the joke to each other we're like hey thank you know thank jake thank cody and it's because we've decided as a company that this is how we're paying for things and we don't see that money as personally ours because we've already planned and allocated for it I mean, yeah, it's already in strange, but 
it's easier. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's already in like we are, we allocate 10% towards operating expenses. And so we don't have any reoccurring operating expenses that exceed that 10%. And that, that operating expense that we allocate, it's based off of MRGP, which is a number that we've talked about before. And when we have onboarding costs, which are like three to $4,000, there's 10% of that goes into operating expenses that isn't allocated towards anything uh, um, reoccurring. So we have these situations where we're paying for meals and buying computers or office equipment or whatever like that because we those are one-off buys that are funded by the one-off projects. And um, so, and we've got to spend that before the end of the year or else we're going to get taxed on it. So um, we just... It's something to consider when you're a business owner, but I, that's a whole episode in itself, honestly. Yeah, I went off. I don't know, tangent, yeah. but it, yeah, that's the, what do you say? It comes up, and I think people don't talk about it because they think it gets too nitty gritty and nerdy, and people don't actually want to listen or hear that it's a conversation you should have with your accountant, sort of thing, or maybe even a lawyer in some cases. But you got to know your PLs, you got to know your balance sheet. I think what scares me the most is like when businesses are like, yeah, we have an accounts receivable account, like one business account. And there's like, you know, 300 grand in there. And they're just like, yeah, but you know, 10% of that is for this and whatever is for that. And it's like the only way they know where their money is going is based off a, an arbitrary balance sheet. And that's it. And then they're like, okay, well, this balance sheet better equal this giant pot of money in this in this account. And we're like, ours is like our T charts and our balance sheets literally match the amount of bank accounts that we have because we've created those physical walls. Well, I guess digital walls technically. But all right, moving on. <laughs> Never that. Number 10. This is short. Uh, what have you gained from being your own boss? Take this as a very broad question. It can be mentally, financially, educationally, et cetera. Man, that's heavy. Yeah. I can read you what I wrote. Do it. All right. What'd you write? I just said happiness of knowing there isn't someone telling me what to do. I went on to say more. I said also responsibility. When something is broken or something needs to get figured out, there is no one higher up the flagpole to alert other than you. Which means you need to figure out how to solve the unsolvable problem in your business. Um, I said, I've, I've also learned that everything is your fault. Mm-hmm. If an employee is constantly messing something up, it's your fault for not having the right processes in place for them to follow and not training them well. If you have done both of those and they're still messing up, then you did a shitty job hiring them. And I said, I can't stand Grant Cardone, nor his book, 10X. But he does talk about taking responsibility for everything. And it's the one thing I took from that book. He takes it a little extreme, but it's the thought that counts. Um, so, yeah, taking like none of those points besides happiness of knowing there isn't someone telling what to do. None of those points are like good things to learn. Like they're not like lessons I've learned. It's been more of kind of like, well, that sucks. I guess I have to deal with that. Yeah. Um Mike Andy's had a good bit. I can't remember. He's got a in one of his videos where he talks about how everything's your fault when you're a business owner. And oh, how it, it's, a, it's a great thing. Um, I think I'd say two things. The number one is autonomy. Um, you already, you don't need permission from anybody else. You already right now have full control of your life. You can do whatever you can do, whatever you want. Uh, you have to live with the consequences of whatever you choose, but you are free to do whatever it is that you choose to do. Uh, and 
when you run a business, it just amplifies that. And that's what I've found is I do have more control over how I want to do things. And that freaks some people out. Some people, if you give them that much control over how they want to you know, construct their life, because when you don't have a boss, when you are the boss, what are your hours? When do you work? Well, what are your limits? What you decide all those things. And if you need somebody else to determine those for you, that's a very scary thing and, and not a good fit. Um, now, if you struggle with somebody telling you what to do, like Jake just said, um, it's magical. But I think it, it gives you an amplified sense of what you are. I'm saying you, but I'm saying myself, um, what I've been able to do with my life, the direction of it and what um, what I'm capable of. And that's the last point, which is, uh, I'd say, confidence. Uh, I have a new level of confidence that I never had and never would have been able to get just as an employee. It's terrifying and freeing at the same time when you have a client who's relying on you fully and you don't get to say at any point that's not my job you don't say that's somebody else i have to you know direct them you can you can draw those lines that can be your choice but especially early on when you're working it's a very it's a very personal thing um starting out your first few clients it's a very interpersonal connection and usually they're relying on you nearly 100 percent now it's different. Let's say you you've got ten years experience at a big agency. You go and you you become a high ticket uh, freelance consultant sort of thing, and uh, you know you've you've already narrowed your lane and you're basically just carving out a small spot and you're not you know trying to build a huge thing. But if you, if you're starting uh, from zero and you're working with other people who have zero, you you have to become confident in giving them solutions and answers. And finding those out because it is your job. And that's been extremely cool because if nothing else, I think it's really nice now just knowing that the worst that I can fail now, the absolute worst that I can do, if this business blows up, every Jake and I, we become huge failures. In a worst case scenario, I go get a six-figure job at some big company and I'm going to be bored for 80% of the day because I'm just making decisions, right? That is the worst I can fail <laughs> at this point is to go get a really cush job. Um, you know, uh, you could say that we could lose a lot of money with this risk. That's true. Um, there's, there's risks associated with your um, finances with entrepreneurship because you, you just have a lot more invested, but you also have the, the opposite risk of not having finances <laughs> when when you're employed. Um, but the I think the confidence and the money, they grow together because you, you hit a point where um, the next tier of income that you want to hit doesn't happen without the confidence to know how to figure out the other stuff. And um, we we aren't quite there yet with um, with what we're earning, but we're really close. And uh I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be nice. And it, it'll be nice after the ramen noodle years, right? I uh, This doesn't really apply to Teresa because she already kind of works in sales. But I learned a lot about sales and consulting and the confidence came with that. I, I was never a salesperson. But when Cody joined, I had a conversation with him and just based on how he was and who he is, I thought to myself, shit, I have to do the sales. 
<laughs> and uh it i mean it worked out <coughs> oh, i'm gonna cough i'm not i'm not i wasn't getting choked up i was i was holding back a cough he was joking up it's fine yeah yeah all right uh but it that, that i've gotten really confident in sales and like now i can i can talk in front of people and i can make sales for anybody as long as i know the product well enough and nobody knows the product better than the people who created it so um that's what i've learned and everything but that's it that's all of them that's it that's fun kind of like doing that yeah hopefully people like it there's some really good questions i hope other people who have been wondering about those have uh um got their questions answered i've got a couple more that i want to do an episode on that a, a few other listeners have asked it won't be it won't be like a, a answering customer question or a customer answering a listener questions type episode it'll just be an episode on that topic because it was it's a good topic to talk about yeah, it's nice when we get new ones uh some some just get burnt out right you can only say not that we're um, running out of ideas or anything <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, but people's problems are oftentimes the same, I guess. Uh, so when we but get with unique perspectives, it's always yeah, like when it's an, always when like that's some, when it's good. That's yeah. when it's fun. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what <laughs> I have to say about that. All right. Well, uh, I think we'll just end it there. So uh, well, everybody, thanks for listening once again. We'll see you in the next one. See you. <laughs>